It never occurred to me that I would spend so much time in a car, any car. And in places, a GPS has to think twice about pinpointing. I'm just not suited to this. I get carsick. I live in a perpetual state of anxiety. And I hate not knowing what comes next. I've done a lot of things in life because I didn't think carefully enough beforehand. Didn't know how to turn tail and run. When I'm in trouble, I rue this major defect in my character. Once I'm out of trouble, I thank goodness for my ability to use fantasy to pull me into escapades for which I'm utterly unsuited. Without that ability, what follows could never have happened. We've barely set foot in China, and already I'm feeling the familiar twinge of panic that I might get lost. Knowing how to find my way is a skill of more than ordinary importance to me. In a matter of days, we'll be idling at the Great Wall in a 70-year-old vehicle and waiting for a checkered flag to wave downward, releasing us on a 7,800-mile car race to Place Vendôme in Paris. My husband Bernard will be driving, and as for the next 35 days, I'll be telling him where to go. At the moment, I am plowing my way through the crush of people jostling to meet arrivals at Beijing Capital International Airport. I walk as my mother taught me when, as a small girl, I struggled behind her, bucking the rush-hour crowds in New York's Grand Central Station. Put your hands on your hips, darling, she said in her lilting French accent. Comme ça. Her manicured hands placing mine properly so my elbows stuck out. When people are too close, just poke them, she told me, tossing her head with laughter at her own daring. The trick worked for her, but I suspect it had nothing to do with arm placement and all to do with her glamour and perfume. I was five years old. My head barely reached the average commuter's waist. No one gave way for me, leaving me struggling to keep up, face reddening with panic, rubbing my bruised elbows. Here in Beijing... My mother's crowd-tamer trick is once again deficient. Buffeted by hordes of happy greeters, I watched Bernard swiveling his hips through the mass of people like a retreating rumba dancer. So sure is he that he's breaking trail for me, helping me along, that he doesn't even glance back to see I'm falling further and further behind. To keep my carry-on bag from sliding off my shoulder... I scrunch my neck to keep the strap in place. But my neck, already cocked at an odd angle from 18 hours in a plane, refuses to maintain the position. The bag, loaded with maps, chargers, a handful of my favorite lemon luna bars, and a radio shack worth of spare batteries, slams to the floor. I stop to readjust, looking up just in time to make out Bernard as he dodges into a small taxi. By the time I duck in beside him, I'm a sweaty mess. I'm also a happy mess, ready for the relief offered by this safe, though sadly too temporary, mobile haven. Despite being jet-lagged, with eyes shriveled to hard little raisins from too many hours on a plane, there's one thing I do notice. There are a lot of people here. More people in one square block than in the entire 2,400 square miles of my Colorado county, where the resident population 
barely breaks 1,400 souls on a day when everybody gets out of bed. Millions are going about their business as our taxi driver wends his way through traffic, stopping now and then to let a flood of pedestrians flow across the clogged streets. When a gap appears at the curb, new pedestrians swarm to fill it, backed by countless more. Peering through the window, I alternate between stunned gratitude that I'm here and a fretful anxiety at what this implies. Everywhere are street signs in Mandarin, a language I've been unable to learn.